0: He's madder than Mad Jack McMahon, the winner of last year's Mr. Madman competition. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to the Bowlology Report. Joining me, Damien Fleming here, of course. Joining me have always, the Brad, the bad boy, Hodge. And uh, Hodgey, what about our special yes, guest Slim. today? i I've, I've actually done an intro, which I don't normally do. I'm just going to read through it. Short in stature, but full of spirit, and with a slinging action and a great outswinger, he led New Zealand's pace attack with distinction, a genuine strike bowler, an excellent one-day bowler, a well-disguised slow ball, nagging accuracy. Um, In his pomp, New Zealand only won two of his last 35 tests, but each time he was the key component of the win. Six for 37 against Australia, eight wickets against Pakistan, As a batsman, he was a genuine rabbit, once holding the record with 24 test ducks. But fitting in his final test, heroics with the bat for New Zealand, scored 14 out of 106 for the 10th wicket with Nathan Astle saving the test match. He was dropped after that. Now a commentating force to be reckoned with, providing energy, attention-grabbing gestures, laying down doing pitch reports, dancing with cheerleaders... Turning Austin Powell type phrases into the cricket world. Good afternoon, Danny (laughs) Morrison. Gentlemen, how are you? Flem and Hodge, what a privilege. Now, Morrison, normally you'd be dominating the IPL. What have you been doing? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah it's a different landscape now isn't it gents um you're right and and we're at the mall so i've done all those IPLs well i, I arrived late in fact i arrived late with you Flynn, didn't we? in 08 um, yes and when i think of all of the stuff that's been going on um my great uh, achievement over the last say six seven weeks gentlemen we've had to move house and that's not oh. a lot of fun but mm. um, luckily only two kilometers across the way so yeah it's been it's been hectic and you say one shutting down but it's nice to have been home um, off that merry-go-round as you both well know what it's like and the first time I've been home my daughter's birthday she's an Anzac baby so the first time since uh, April April 25th oh seven, 7 and the same for a mother's day in May early May as we know um, since 07 it's just been that sort of hectic time. Did you get a truck for the move, or did you just go the whole
1: TKs with couches on your back and all that because you're a strong man?
0: <laughs> aren't you? Uh, definitely not. No, certainly so, no, just, well, see, now in your mid 50s these days, Flem, I think. Flem, yes, the are a bit young, impossibly, but Flem, yes. um, you must be just getting to 50 soon, aren't you? Aren't you 50 soon? Raised the bat
1: about three weeks ago, DM. You had your 50th? Wow. I think for the so second, definitely. yeah. Second
0: half. Second half. Mm-hmm. And Hodgie, what year yep.
2: were you again? I was born in um, oh, 74. Just, yeah, yeah, just around around uh, Richard Hadley time, I suppose. So <laughs> just when he was starting to fire up. you I
0: used
2: to love child. I used to love going to watch... Um, yeah, new zealand and australia actually the mcg one-day <laughs> cricket in particular um my mm. favorite sort of back then were, i loved the uh, kim hughes and uh dennis lilly of course but you yeah, know it was always always good to watch uh hadley trying to match it with the great dk that was pretty cool stuff but yeah no, i'm not uh, i'm 45 um still got a, I'm, I'm not there to version 2.0 yet haven't raised about <laughs> 50 but you know, going on my record to conversion from 50 to 100, so I'm pretty confident I can get there, actually. Yeah. Hopefully. Hey, yeah. hey Hodgie,
1: you brought up some good points about the Australian-Kiwi rivalry. We'll get into that in a sec. But, um, mm. but Danny, the IPL itself, uh, you've been commentating for years before that, but it, it really just blew you up uh, in a commentary sense. And, um, you know, what was the catalyst and the persona you know, we talked about the pitch reports and, and, and the commentary phrases. Um, you know, what, what was the ticking point? Was it the IPL itself you just got up for T20 cricket or, um, or was it something that evolved before that?
0: Yeah, well, I've, what I've done in the past and chatting either on podcasts or, or getting interviewed about the scenarios that when I was 11 and 12, um, and, and, and when my parents split up when I was about, uh, it was about seven or eight, we moved from the Wild West and that's in, in Auckland and everyone's probably like, like Melbourne or you know <laughs> Sydney or whatever you got it's pretty wild west don't you? and then you move to the affluent um, uh, northern suburbs where my uncle was my mother's younger brother and we went there to rent there for a while and um, uh, it just changed the perspective of doing other things and so in between sort of hiatus of sports my mother who had a very thespian background drama diploma and all that i used to hang out with these thespian types Um, with my mother. So at 11 and 12, I was doing some pantomime, uh, some stand-up stuff. We'd be doing sculpturing-type things and theatre sports-type initiatives. So, again, for me, it felt quite comfortable in front of the camera. And then when I finished playing, uh, Flem, I um, I got, you know, Martin Crowe became the EP of Sky Sport and that was that 99-2000 season. And so I I got to head up and, and front Cricket Company, which was a magazine show, and so you could be a little bit more risque with it. And because it was a magazine show, it's very relaxed, and so you could lots of gestures, lots of fun uh, because it was a magazine show. And then you've just, you just, and, and later I think in this podcast, you're going to touch on some different rules coming into possibility with the Big Bash in Australia. Crowy's Cricket Max was 40 yeah. yeah. overs, like in T20, 40 overs, instead of 20 overs each, he it was four lots of 10, because Martin Crow and his genius, if you like, could see that if um, Brad Hodge got out for naught early in the first 10 overs, you could see Hodge, bat again in a say, full house at the MCG, got a naught in the first 10, but he could bat again in the next 10. And Crow's initiative was like, very Americanized, max zones, uh, very noisy, but again, the four innings, which brought test match cricket of the four as well, and he loved the initiative. It was all about 11 players. It wasn't six or size. It wasn't super eights or whatever. It was a full complement. He liked to expand into the idea of uh, substitute fielders and all that, and that was coming to develop. But we it was it a, a in, double uh, hit straight down the ground yeah. as well? Yeah, six became 12, a 12, and yeah. four became eight. Yeah, and you guys are yeah. very Aussie rules-orientated, of course, right, yeah. with, the, with the big posts up. You had a, uh, a, a flag umpire that gave it almost a bit of that when it went through <laughs> to guide it watch it, go for six, which was 12-4, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So he had a max zone painted on the ground. I don't know if you guys... Thought, I thought it was a, a way ahead of his time, Crowy, massively. And I think it's... I think T20, in, the, in terms of the franchise, leads around the globe, chaps. That, that's that got another... It's got another uh, legacy to go. And,
1: um, and what about the IPL itself? Like... I just remember when you started to get going, I was thinking you, you were talking about pantomime. I was thinking more about the WWE with the way that you used to introduce the captains mm. at the toss. And then, you know, someone like Gordon Gambier, who's a very introverted character, um, the, the dynamic between you and him. <laughs> Is it <Gorton> Gambier? <laughs> Gordon Gambier? Gordon. GG.
0: Yeah, love oh, I you. love the double G.
1: You. It's
0: not working. Yeah, oh, right. I, I, I really, um, I mean, could you have fun with it? And, and it just flowed because you had the Delhi Daredevils with the double Ds, you had the double Rs with Rajasthan. Now, he had Gautam Gambia, who really didn't want to show the fangs, did not want to show the ivories, and he just crossed the corner counter, and I loved introducing him. Here we go, he's the $2 million man. And he always look at you like, oh, I don't even know that. He didn't take that much to play this. He just this other persona that was just I try to make him smile and have fun with it, and he was just was so focused and so dour. Um, he mm. added to it too, because I was at one I was at one spectrum <laughs> end and he was at the other. Obviously, it was just madness.
2: Now I can I can relate to that, Danny. There's no doubt. I had a massive stash with GG, believe it or not, in the uh Kolkata Knight Night Riders. Um, gymnasium up the top you know above the pool area at the uh the yeah. hotel and I don't know where it came from I think you see was see it's just an angry little unit at that stage and somehow I must have maybe used his dumbbell which was I wasn't allowed to touch or something and GG cut <laughs> up rough and of course you know it was a little slinging match because we were playing later that night and um I, I was on the bench anyway he was pretty comfortably in telling me how crap I was and that's why I was sitting on the bench it was it was pretty funny and and then going back down that path a few years later, it's amazing how more relaxed he was. Once he'd won mm-hmm. a few titles and, and it was pretty cool to then to actually just talk some cricket with him. And I think he was just driven to try and succeed and emulate a few other legends in the game and it was pretty determined yes. to do well. But, and he's also a lot more comfortable with the $2 million price tag too for <laughs> the best part of four years. That helps as well. So. Definitely, yeah. And who do you like working with? I mean, there's some serious characters in, the, you know, those commentary boxes in the IPL led by you, but there's a good flavour of New Zealanders as well. Does that make you feel a lot more comfortable in that environment which lasts for a long time? You know, it's 10 weeks, mm. it's hard travel. Just explain to you know, the listeners that it can be difficult how hard you, you do have to travel. Mm.
0: Well, in a way, it's lost a little bit of its... Um it's romance in a way and I get that because it's so hectic now and plus there's a different, uh, there's a different broadcaster that's taken over from um, IMG which was run right out of the UK for the BCCI and they had it for the first 10 years with Sony so now it's gone to star and the blueprints changed a bit because you, you used to have your zones a bit you know you'd perhaps to be in Hyderabad, Bangalore yeah. uh, and go to Calcutta and do that sort of zone now um, with ABCD Units, you don't have that. You sort of zigzag everywhere, um, and you and you can run into guys. Um, there was at one stage. I remember doing Match and Mahali. Probably only, that have only been two or three years ago. And there was, Dool, styrus and Morrison. The three Kiwis were on all together at once, which you sort of looked at and you thought, it's a bit, silly a bit naughty, really, in terms of the, you know, <laughs> the, the rostering, because you've got to have a flavour with an Indian guy, and you could have an Aussie Kiwi and an Indian surely. And, and, and that's what they try to do they always try to have an Indian on I understand so I'm right so yeah. um, when you've got three commentators on so personally um, it's a fun, I I like two I like two for t20 because then there's more interaction with uh, your co-commentator you can you can probably embellish a little bit of a story if you've got time because we know you generally don't but you can have a bit of fun with your co-commentator or go down and say let's throw it down and catch up with mel jones sideline or whoever it is another a Bollywood chick that's all doled up and looking great—that um, works. But you know, with three of you, you've got to get bon bon bon, and um, the guys that get it, that flow with it, and are in and out and short and sharp and punchy, um, it often works. And you know, you, guys like Simon Dool have done it for a long time, and now and now Hados has come and he adds another thing to it. And, mm. You know, I used to really enjoy with Ravi because he was so loud and up. Uh, and it, it meant, in a way, and Flem, you guys will get this. That in commentary, it, it didn't feel like you were constantly either carrying guys to be up and doing your thing, uh, because you have to be loud. And people go, "My God, why are you so over the top? You're just yelling at me." Well, you get drowned out when you listen to yourself back on uh, like a highlight reel. You might be even at an airport and they're running it and it's going. You hear yourself because <laughs> the noise, the intensity, is so much that you get drowned out if we're just talking normally like this at this octave, you're just, you're going to get drowned out. So, and, and as you know, Fleming and Oggy, the, the atmosphere and the energy lends itself to be so boom, 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 boom up. It's such a great time.
2: And just on that, how do you think it would have been, or how do you think it's going to be in the future without a crowd? Because as you mentioned, you just, you flow off that energy in the crowd and, and, and the game itself. How do you think it's
0: going to pan out in the future? Oh, I mean, you talk, you know, let's let's go to Wankiti, where if it's full for 33,000 oh. people, they're talking about maybe only a third because of the social distancing thing and, and having a third of it. Uh, I think India, in a way, are spoiled, Hodgy, because they make a lot of noise anyway. It doesn't matter if you're a 10-year-old. Or you're a 70-year-old who's just yep. seen the fans. They're just so obsessed and so fanatical. They get up for it. A bit like Aussie rules and yelling out and screaming for ball or kill that guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're in Melbourne. I, I just think the fanaticism is extraordinary. So when I look at all that, um, it will be, you're right, it'll be such a different landscape. And, and let's see, because, you know, I do the CPL in the Caribbean. I've done all those, last seven of those, and they're talking again if it goes ahead this September, that what are they going to do? Have, you know, 25% of the capacity of the stadia? You love the music, the vibe. And, again, that's about the human interaction with the fan base, with the music and the partying, which is different, again, than anywhere else. But it relies on that. So you're right, a good question. It's going to be fascinating to see how that develops. I think short of the game, we're going
1: to notice that the lack of crowd I think for one-day cricket, and that is a test cricket. It's not going to be a significant. Boom! Oh, yeah! fetch that!
0: The last three deliveries. Six, four, four. When is it going to stop? Now, Danny,
1: we're going to go all the way back to your cricketing career, big fella. Uh, two-part question. Did you have a family history in cricket, and when did you discover that gorgeous outswinger?
0: No family history uh, because um, I, uh, I tended to be more winter code. And you guys, of course, Melbournians love your Aussie rules. And I found that fascinating to go along because my father lived out in St Kilda, and then was out in the Dandenongs in, in Belgrade. And I remember, you know, just visiting and seeing this crazy thing called Aussie rules. And so rugby, obviously, rugby union when I was young. So the classic Kiwi thing of rugby and being a nasty little halfback or winger. I used to play a bit of both. Um, but then, you know, got dragged off to the northern suburbs and people went surfing, sailing and played, oh, you play cricket? What's that? It's splendid. And so, <laughs> um, you know, did something completely different. And then I saw Lily and Hadley uh, in 1977, um, those two protagonists locking horns and uh, getting amongst it at Eden Park and watching that on TV going, Shit, that looks cool. I'd like to do that. But started out as Rodney Marsh because we're lacking in uh, – <laughs> Uh, guys wow. to catch the ball. I said, Danny, why don't you try to keep keeping?" And I was, you know, I was 11 and 12. Said, oh, yeah, yeah, And plus you're a midget, you know. <laughs> let's, let's just get the clubs on. I don't know if, how you're going to try to run up and let the ball go. And, you know, said, and so then you, of course, grew, maybe maybe are lucky if I grew a couple of inches and I was lucky. And then by the time I got to 13, um, which is, what, 1979, um, you know, put the sweatbands on and pretended I was Hadley and Lily and doing impersonations and, and having fun. And that sort of took over. And then watching a lot of uh, some Aussie cricket snippets would get some of that. Uh, I went to the MCG in 19 – this will be good for your podcast – 1981, Dennis Lilly had just taken oh. the world record, gone past last kids. The last day they opened it up free because, of course, I think you needed, what, two or three wickets to get for the Aussies to beat the Windies. he just got Viv out the night before and Lily had yeah. like four for ten. And it was just the moustache, the hair – a great rhythmical running in and a lot of us as you wear the same for you like all of us the thing of dennis lily and the crowd chanting and what a theater um inspired a lot of us kiwis as well here we had hadley and when you look at the way hadley has finished his career whereas lily was a lot more earlier and was such an artist and such a character and just dynamic we all wanted to emulate that um And that's where it stemmed from. Those two going together head-to-head, 77 seeing it, and then, of course, the one-day stuff, the underarm summer, 81, (laughs) all of that really allowed, in a way, it it did us the best favour for cricket over rugby for a change. It was huge. And so that underarm game and and that that summer, that beginning of 81, was so powerful for a lot of us to take up the game, get more engrossed in it, and love it. And so uh, I take my hats off to, you know, with the pyjama game, the lights and, and the first time New Zealand got invited to it, 8081. Um, that's what I love doing. And, and as you say, Flynn, with you know, being a little bit more slingy on the clock at about 1 o'clock, um, lent itself to an outswinger and then, you know, wanted to keep developing. And the other part of this answering that question, so spoiled that New Zealand cricket was shrewd enough to um, say to Dennis Lilly through, I think it was Shell, um, Shell Oil Company, we'll pay for you to come over to New Zealand cricket. that was 1985 to 1989. They paid a five-year contract. He came over, saw a lot of us young guys, you know, Willie Watson, Murphy Sewer, all that sort of, that ilk of uh, sort of guys in our early, mid-50s. We got to see Dennis Lilly in in that time, 85 through to 89. And it was fascinating to have that coaching. Yeah, Yeah, to have Lilly when we were sort of 19, 20-year-olds and a few of us had back injuries to then get into the New Zealand side here's a nice little anecdote, saw the great DK when we played in that 87 uh, MCG test match, the big French test and I saw Fott saw Fott about day three and he was visiting of course Simon O'Donnell who'd been diagnosed right with the cancer and all his group and the great Dennis Lee was visiting um, Scooby in hospital and so ran into him outside the G as we were leaving a day's play, it was just really really nice to say mate well done, because he said again, um, you're not the you're not the tallest guy going around. There would have been a lot yeah. of a lot of namesayers that would said, mate, hey, sorry, going you know, back, or why don't you become a spin bowler? And he was instrumental in, in motivating me to say, look, get fitter, you know, stay lean, uh, your timing and your action, that run up is so important, as we all know, flang rhythm is the key. Yeah. So. He was amazing for me. And there's no doubt. I oh, wonder about Richard Hadley because you go the bowling with him and he surely is was your mentor. Yeah, he was my mentor. But the guy that did it for me was the great BK Lilly. because of that. Coming to New Zealand and, in 85 <laughs> and I had a back problem and he said, "It said, mate, it depends how much you want it. It comes from in here. How much you deeply desire to want to run in and hurt because it's going to hurt you. There's no doubt. If you want to bowl quick, it <laughs> is not an easy thing to do. And so he's the man, without a doubt.
1: And just leading into that tour, your first two, 87, 88, you, you debuted up at the Gabba. Yeah, what were your thoughts there? And then, as Hodgie alluded to, uh, the, the famous uh, Boxing Day test that summer.
0: Isn't that funny? We I just had the last one when New Zealand played and got run over um, this last summer, uh, and it was the first time in 32 years. And yeah. people go, Isn't that obscene? But it just shows you... When you allow you know, South Africa came back into the fold, India became a powerhouse. You've got your ashes, which is the beetle on end. Of course it is. And so really the little cousins across the ditch, well, look, we love you and we might invite you over occasionally to play you know, the World Series and have a couple of laughs and party up and I'll get you drunk and have a good time. But <laughs> really the, the thing of the Boxing Day test, it, we're, clearly New Zealand just wasn't the same draw card as South Africa being let back into the fold, bigger bigger cricket nation, no doubt. And you had India, powerful, um, Pakistan from time to time with their great side, you think, in those 90s. And so, yeah, we were left out a little bit in the cold there and played in different parts of Australia with the Test Series. And that, to me, was was huge because here it was, as you say, Flem, 1987, and you're playing with the great Richard Hadley, Ewan Chatfield, the Crow brothers, Braceful Smith, they had a very good side. That 80s era was powerful for New Zealand. Yeah. And for me to tag on the tag on the end of it and get an opportunity to play in Australia to play an MCG test box um, Christmas Day, 1987. I was at my father's place with my little half sister who was turning four and and my, uh, my dad's second wife Heather and we were there for I was there for Christmas morning and of course you know the old man dropped us back to the old Hilton across from the <laughs> MCG and it was just really lovely memorable times to be involved so and not blowing smoke up your guys' backsides. Um, Melbourne is such a uh, real heartfelt, warm place for me uh, in my in my history and memory of being there because of my father's connection there. And um, really it was, you know, that, that fear to the G doesn't get bigger. Amazing. It's
2: definitely one of the best times uh, to be in Melbourne across that Christmas period with the lead-up to the Boxing Day test. Then you move into the Australian Open tennis. It, it, it is a pretty cool place. What was the crowd like, Danny, you know, when you first walked out onto the stadium? You know, was it jam-packed early on? Or did it build up later in the day? And, and and what did it peak at? Do you remember?
0: Well, of course, it, was, it wasn't what it is today because that great southern stand was built for, the, for that World Cup final in 92, wasn't it? So you're, you're mm. going back to the old style, which, again, that had its romance too because it wasn't quite this amazing, you know, than it is today. And I just recall, and of course, you'll love this, <laughs> you guys will love this, because, uh, you know, the crowd, and the Aussies, good crowd, building up, and it, there was that, of course, that Trans Tasman rivalry. New Zealand, had a good side we had, that we never lost a test series in the 1980s at home. We never right, lost a test like series. So quite an achievement for, for, you know, the sheep herders that loved the sheep. And <laughs> so when I think about being there, and we, of course, we had Ewan Chatfield, Ewan, you know, the old Ewan. Sheep, mm. ah, bah, and that constant, bah. <laughs> the ground. When we were warming up, they'd be, bah. you mongrels, you're going to get eaten, you know. yeah, lambs to the slaughter scenario. And so we you know, do the warm-ups, crowded build-up, and it was extraordinary because I just remember, that again, another one of those post-luncheon dinner chats and you'd come along and tell some stories, and I'll never forget being down in the skies, and that's where it all started. He goes, Morrison, effing and blinding. Morrison, you effing mongrel, he goes, Listen, I've heard of sheep having their tails docked, but, my Jesus Christ, who docked your legs, you little muppet? <laughs> just holding like that, spraying your viewer bit down at Bay 13, because <laughs> was just a door. <laughs> yeah, quite different. You little muppet, he goes, watch out for that. Watch out for that big pussycat cat coming to eat you. Those other garden gnomes and effing and blinding all those structures. <laughs> but Look out for those garden gnomes. How were you
1: on? <laughs> it was just all line. It was great fun. It was good fun. But, Danny, it was an awesome test match because I think if you'd won it, you'd uh, drew the series and retain the trophy. Um, yes. So, yeah, the Aussies needed two, four, seven. 4 um, They were going to fall short of that, so they had to block it out. And, and you've got the, the ball, ball in hand with your idol, Richard Hadley. Um, I shared the footage yesterday yesterday. Um, in yeah, hindsight, right. was it worth an appeal that that ball that just shaped into <laughs> McDermott? Was it worth the appeal? And, I,
0: <laughs> and when I look at that, feed like with social media these days, it's, oh, look, oh, there was definitely two sounds. Sure, there was two sounds. <laughs> but, and when I looked at it, I, I love it. Rod Marsh was commentating, and there was a couple of instances during that series. I remember Rod, and it's just so dry, goes, I oh, think the New Zealanders, I can feel a little undone there. I feel a little unlucky about that, you know, <laughs> just giving it out thought. It was great. Because others have said, you know, chap I oh know I was probably swinging a bit down leg. And no. I just try to get it full. And the ball was a bit old. It wasn't obviously clearly it wasn't a brand new ball and, and it was just a nice older ball. You know, and suddenly I tried to just hold it up. I just wanted to go full. I wanted to get it obviously hit the poles or an LBW clearly or that little neck down the channel. So when it tailed in slightly Wow, that freak, you know just it just threw it right up because it just came in enough, and and there unwittingly knowing it that would have been a bit of reverse with the shiny yeah. side still on that side and the rough side wanting to go away as an outswinger it didn't and it just just, just enough and um, that's why I think you when know, I'll never forget appealing and falling back and <laughs> at blue, blue 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 Melbourne sky thing F. He's not going to give this. So I was giving the full expletive going to myself. And then just got up and marched back and, you know, what can you do? You're just going to get um, on with it. I think yeah. People have asked me too in recent times, if I'd been an older, more experienced campaigner, um, might have had a crack, sure. Um, but you couldn't, of course. At nah. that time, you just were so young, just boom, in the situation, get on with it.
1: And what was it like in the dressing rooms afterwards? Big wit blocked out the, uh, the uh, over from Sir Richard. Um was there much talk about the LB straight away, um, and, and how much disappointment? That, as I said, a lot riding on it. That one wicket, you've actually retained the, the the Hadley Chapel Trophy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. It was it was very much as you say. That decision changed the course of a series because you also uh, cricket tragics, or you know, we call you call them in Aussie, uh, tri- cricket nuffies, lovers of the game, all <laughs> of us. Um, that love the game so much will know that statov Lily, Chapel, and Marsh had retired in mm. January of 84. So almost four years later. And of course, Australia hadn't won a home series. They got run over by GAT, didn't they? And that Ashes series of 86-87. Yeah. Um, and you know, you think of all of that time before that because of the Rebel tour, Kim Hughes and, and you know yeah, that they, had exactly. been gutted that Aussie side. Yeah, they'd all gone to South Africa, hadn't won a series, it was really important. To win a home series post those three famous, famous names of Lily Chapel and Marsh. And that allowed them to do that. And I think the weight of Ellen Border's shoulders was immense. And I'll never forget being on the boundary, we were, we were just so deflated and so gutted. Yeah. And again, I think particularly for Ian Smith and Richard Hadley and Ewan Chatfield and all those guys that have been around with the underarm game of 81. Also, I think Jimmy Higgs was given out too for an intimidating bowling of Lance Keynes in 1980 at the Boxing Day Test match, and that was blocked out again by Australia. And so here we were feeling undone in another again. Boxing Day Test match. <laughs> yeah. And so we, I never Big Porter came out, and he was shaking hands feverishly. He was so over the moon and wrapped and ripping it up. And I can get it from AB's corner. Absolutely. Totally. And what he'd been through with that Aussie side getting smashed for a few seasons. Um, it was. But again, for me, it was surreal. You're sitting around and there are the Aussies going about and, and our guys and just seeing the exhausted Richard Hadley who'd run in that whole last session. I think he bowled 11 overs on the trot, And, the, and he was, wasn't was young then. He would, um, what are we talking about? 36, Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was at that time. And Hodgie touches on a good point. Because it was the old stadium and the vibe in it, it was like a cauldron. You didn't get the breeze and it. was sticky. It was really hot. One of those hot Melbourne days, late 30s. Poof, tough gig, um, but an amazing time. Did you just woof then, Hodgie? No, it
1: was my dog, Flynn. I don't know. what I say. But you've um, just leading into um, the grade AB, you knocked him <laughs> over... Eight times in test match cricket.
0: Oh, playing against Money. Border, <laughs> yeah, loved it. Loved, I think, well, all of us, you know, you think about that, or how do you want to smash good bowlers? You're in your day, pitches panned out a bit, whatever, and you've been in a good run of form, purple patch, you love smashing bowlers around. Same for us, um, bowlers flam, isn't it? You know, you want to get out good players, or, you know, with, you know, just the way it is in test cricket. And so, uh, very fortunate that we uh, played Australia a lot, New Zealand, uh, in those late 80s up to about 93 when AB was still around. Um, and it was nice in a way for a lot of us who played in 87 and the end of that Hadley era that finished in 1990, finished and got knighted in England in 1990. Yeah. And then to, I think to, I think we won a one-off test match. We, we drew in Drew in Perth in late 89, and then the return one-off test, we won in New Zealand conditions in a very rain-affected short test match um, in 1990. Hadley's sort of sign-off in New Zealand was lovely for him. And then we drew that series where Borders' last test series, it was one-all, which is a bit like how we were hoping it was going to be in late 87, but we had to wait till the beginning of 93 to, to retain the French Tasman trophy on that side of it. The- so I got a taste of it at either end of the career, um, to do that and to get bored, as you say, because he's left-handed and for us, Flemm, swinging it back in, um, get them a couple of times LB. Um, yeah. You, know, so go, you got him go four times over.
1: LB. You bowled him once. Um,
0: Loved it. Who else, who yeah. else was up Great there in,
1: in test cricket? You had AB, but you would have bowled to some of the greats, really. Who, who did you rate in that, in that top sort of three, five batsman you bowled
0: to? I think you can't go past Java Menden and, and played a full series there in, in Pakistan with difficult, and they obviously that we all know now, scratching at the ball and just manipulating it a little bit <laughs> and tweaking it, uh, and it going around corners. So they had Wazim and Waka. we got run over. What do you got? We got run over three nil in the Test matches, three 0 and five 0 in the in the in the one days uh, because of those two, and they also keep Javed and a couple of other good. Stars as well, and then a bit of sperm, was that
1: the infamous you know, tauti- series where Chris Pringle or you decided, mm. um, you, you, you know, that things were happening. Well, we'll yes. go a bottle top, and and Chris, yep. who was an excellent one day bowler, you know, it took something like
0: 12 mm. wickets, didn't he? You guys
1: shut yeah, me up one and, side, and yeah. and nothing was
0: said about it, you just went on. Well, the great thing, another little story about that was that we were going to do that, and we wanted to test it and work it out. And so Martin Crowe, who used to bowl only in swingers, at some good pace too, I might add. In his heyday, he would have been easily one forty when he got it right. Um, strong, big guy, and he only really bowled in swingers to right hand as well. As soon as we turned the other side into a chess pattern and carved <laughs> it up, it went the other way from and He was like—he's the captain of the New Zealand team. He was like a kid in a candy shop. And it was going <laughs> both ways like a boomerang. And he goes, I can't wait for tomorrow. You know, I've got to have a go. And so when we did do that, it was ridiculous because they did no neutral umps. And that wonderful little story that um, Chris Pringle Pringle used to tell uh, at luncheons and stuff. And then we all came together and they up for a drinks break. And they saw the ball and they looked up and smirked, both the umpires and looked at everyone and the batters were in earshot. Oh, look, one thing. Now, boss, i <laughs> it's just like Really? You think man you go, honestly. And McCullum will be back for an early shower. And the dancers are running for cover. Boom! Holy guacamole!
2: Now, Danny, you played in three World Cups, I believe, and you led yourself back to Australia in the 1992 World Cup, or 1993 World Cup, sorry. Talk us through that experience coming back to the Australian shores and what did you think your chances were when you first came here?
0: Well, that, that World Cup was so unique because all of the previous ones were all played in white clothing with a red ball. Yeah. England, and then, of course, the subcontinent was 87, which the Aussies had won. Um, and remarkable. What a, I mean, you know, again, you couldn't have scripted a bit. it better. Played the Poms in the final and beat Gatting Co. So then there's, you look at, you fast forward to 92, and there's an expectation, I think, for the Aussies playing at home. They knew the final was going to be at the G, MCG. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's was a lot there, I think, more on the Aussies in terms of being defending champs. Us on the other side of the coin, across the Tasman, we just got beaten by England 3-0 in a one-day series and in the Test Series. It was the first time we'd all, we were all very deflated, Hodgie, because we lost the Test Series the first time at home in New Zealand since the great Richard Hadley retired a couple of years before. And I think it was... The previous one was 1979 against Pakistan. So all those 1980s never lost a home test series. Lost that to England, lost 3-0. We didn't give ourselves a fighting chance in the media, everybody else, but the late great Martin Crow, he said, this is our strategy. And he talked about every other team as if we're playing the blue team. Right now we're up against the green team or the yellow team. He never mentioned who they were. He never wanted to get into wow. specifics of the position. He talked about our skill set. What can we bring to the table and what are we going to do? Yep. Shitty little slow tracks. It was the introduction of Diddly, dodly and Wobbly. You know, you had Chris Harris. You had a little bit of Gavin Larson, You know, <laughs> Last, you know yeah. yep. you either swimmingly standing up or not very far back. And you had a bit of Rod Latham as well. When The ball got a bit older and softer. Plus the genius. Six-pack Patel. God, for yep. Patel, baby, walked yep. on up to the old bottle O and cut loose and gave it plenty. So pace off the ball was brilliant, and so the strategy of playing to our strengths, given our conditions on really rugby grounds, um, was amazing. And our goal, believe it or not, our goal uh, early on in that start at World Cup was, hey, let's see how we go at the start of this and what we can achieve. Our goal has got to be to make a home semi final. Got to be a home semi final. Eden Park had a, one of the semi finals. The Aussies had the other semi, and of course, no brain the big final and with we, G. And we achieved that. It was amazing. Seven on the trot, and okay. then of course, at some point, your bubble bursts. It's a bit like India at the World Cup in, in England in 2019. It played so beautifully, so dominant. At some point, something's going to come a little unhinged in tournament play, and it did for the, for the Indians last year. Same for us. We lost to Pakistan. Last round, rolling game, and then lost the semi final uh, to them, the same opposition a few days later.
2: And just I do love. Goal, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, Fab. I was fascinated watching uh, Patel open the bowling, and you know, working out that the batsman absolutely had no idea what was the. You know, there was a couple of moments in World Cups where they a coach or a captain had played those moments. One was that; the other one was open with Rana and Jayasuriya, um, Sri Lankans going, you know, hell bent. What was, the, what was the feeling like as an opening bowler to see you know a, a, an off-spin bowler take the brand-new kookaburra and wheel out 10 overs straight? How, how, how did you guys receive that?
0: Well, again, that was between Crow and the coach Warren Lees. And, they, again, they had to decide, we've got to do something extraordinarily different. We've got to do something unique to get in the heads of the opposition and stuff them up. The great thing about DIPAC is that uh, originally from Worcester, and uh, came to New Zealand, played as a club pro, got to play first class state cricket, uh, married a local Indian lady, Vina. He wanted to stay. So he was staying and committing to New Zealand. And he also played so much first class cricket out on, like, a, um, you've been here, the number two grounds, a bit like the nursery yep. ground. Right? Uh-huh. He used to be bowling first class time because the thing was such a bunsen out the back. <laughs> he would often open the bowling with me. Uh, or depending on who else. You know, it could have, back in the day, it could have been a bit of Willie Watson or Chris Pringle or, you know, whoever. He had opened the bowling on those Bunsons and uh, was used to bowling with a new seed. So that was also a positive and a plus that he could do that. And he wanted to do it. He's happy to do it. He's happy to take up the challenge, putting two men out of course, to do that on small grounds and back themselves. And uh, that game against Australia, that opening game, where Crow got 100, <laughs> set it up. And, uh, and on that brown, low surface, uh, really did give us a lot of confidence and for those other Bibli part-timers. It, it really was a bit like Sri Lanka four years later. I mean, obviously, lucky
1: Sri Lanka went all the way and won the final. You guys didn't. Uh, we need to talk about Martin Crow too, the the late, um, great Hogan. Um, you know, I just, as a batting purist, you know, I thought technically he was as good as I, I yes. ever saw Um but in that series, his batting went another level. The captaincy, um, the innovative um, batting, but also the bowling changes as well. Um, you know, what, what was it like being around Hogan throughout that series? And then also, um, you know, just just chat about, you know, his batting brilliance.
0: He was one of those guys uh, that had been very focused and wanted to be the best he could possibly be. And so when you look, the way he went about things and wanted to achieve, um, I tell you, it was a great analogy recently. I don't know if you guys have been watching it, the great Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, that's on Netflix yeah. at the moment. Yeah. When I look at that, and in, in, in that sort of mindset where he wants to win, he wants to dominate, he wants to stamp his authority on the game. And so when I look how focused he was, it um, was extraordinary. And it was good for us guys that were a little bit younger than him to be around that. And then to have some sort of more self-belief, because, of course, he was up here at that level. And, it's, and again, you look at that last dance with Jordan's up here and there's, you know, quite a few as everyone else is there. I mean, Pippen, pretty special too, Scotty Pippen. But he brought that out of those other guys, didn't he? Dennis Rodman. They all got lifted to another level, really, uh, because of someone like Jordan. And so I look at Crow, You know, he lifted, you know, and again, Andrew Jones, who was a little bit of edgy competitiveness. And Jones, he was so yeah. freaky like, different and a weird, weird technique, and a bit of a different character. And it bought the best out of each other. And then on top of that, it gave Mark Greatbatch some self-belief too. He took that World Cup where he said, listen, you've got a license here. I want you to go as a Crowley. I want you to go out. And they were good mates at grammar school together. I want you to go out. I want you to have a free license, cut loose, do what you know you can do. And so Crowy had that ability to, to lift you. And it was no surprise when he was captain at times, I felt good. He was also like a bowling captain because I mentioned earlier that, that Fires of our Test where we scratched the ball up, he ran in and bowled a bit. He actually bowled in Test cricket. Um, I think in that nineteen eighty-five test match where they played a lot of spinners, New Zealand, he opened the bowling with Richard Hadley in eighty five because it was more <laughs> like Bunsen. And he could because he he also thought like a bowler. And that Flem, you would have loved it, where you got a you got a, a batting star captain, but really he also thought for you in terms of field setting I said, I'd love another I'd love a guy at third man to get Danny. i know that too, but I'd rather have I'd rather have another slip of another gully. Well, how, why don't we go with another gully bit? But, but, but I take it. I know you have got Nick down there, but I want you to I want you to still get it close and I want you to variety, but I still want you to nick this guy out. I don't care if you get driven through the covers a bit. I don't care if you get nicked at third man. Let's get him out. So there was that all that thinking. Beautiful. Yeah. And so he was great for that. And he was a marvellous character. As much as he got a little bit in uh, his own, and I think as we all know, Hodgie and great players really did it. They, they got immersed in their own thing a bit. And you had to be a bit selfish like that. I think when you're at that level, Hadley, all those guys, Lily, Greg Chappell, you think Big Richard, they get into that zone and that's it, and they're doing their thing. And so, um, you know, it that, that speaks to me volumes with Michael Jordan. You get to see in that docker all that footage and all that time lapse, isn't it? He had to be that sort of ruthless in a way. And Crowey at times could be like that. That ruthless to do that well. and that World Cup where he stood up, poof, extraordinary. Mm. Hi,
1: oh, G. I don't know if you saw Martin Crowe that um, much. But, you know, I, mean, I think Wazim Akram said he was the hardest uh, batsman to bowl to because he, he played so late with mm. reverse swing. But, um, you know, we've got some really good technicians now that, um, going around, you know, Coley and Williamson, but you know, I, I think Crow technically was as, as good as a batsman that that, that I played against. It, it was it was amazing. Hey, uh just finishing with one day cricket, March twenty fifth is a significant uh date in, in the world. Yeah, Elton John's birthday. But even bigger than that, March twenty fifth, so, nineteen ninety four, Danny Morrison takes a, a hat trick <laughs> in one day cricket. Is it really
0: Elton John's birthday? <laughs> It's Elton's wow.
1: birthday then, is it? Yes. When you look really? up the date on, on, on the internet, Alton's at yeah. number two, March 25th. Morrison's hat-trick's number oh, one. wow. Do God you know
0: God. who you got out? Do you?
1: It's know not who surprising.
0: You got out? Well, if I know, with, with you on Slow Coach, of course we're getting into that thing soon, but it's exciting to another avenue. Slow Coach Definitely. is um, in terms of... Uh, sending in some footage. And I just thought, look, because that was going for me, I'll send that in. Anyway, um, when I look at the whole thing of uh, the reverse ball and the white ball getting old, we didn't have to change it at 34 overs back in those days. You know, the batters go, oh, I can't see. It's gone a bit gray. Can we change the ball? You know, because it's harder and it doesn't swing reverse as much and batters could buff it. So we didn't. And it was around. must have been around 42, 44 over, something like that. And I just remember just getting it up there and saying, look, it's going to get starting to go. And, of course, just gently scratched it a little bit more. And then <laughs> one side was shiny, the <laughs> saliva and what have you not allowed to use these days on the landscape. And, of course, just getting it, it just went beautiful and late and, um, and loved it. And so when I think about um, that time of just trying to get it full in York, guys, um those are probably the three best balls i ball. The one to Campbell did, but the other one, the next one was um, – what was the next one? The next one was Ancola. He was he went on to do some – Yeah, that was a guy – Yeah, I'd sure. never heard of him. That's why I asked you. I, yeah. oh, I wasn't sure if you would get big, the second Big, Mike. medium pacer. Yeah. yeah, big, tall guy, strong guy. Um, and then, of course, Mongia got pushed down the batting order, the keeper. He wasn't the worst, but Good he – Good player. He got pushed down the order. So bad luck, and he got, he got knocked out. It was the next ball – it was the first ball and another over. So it was quite weird. Yeah. He got – Oh shit, yeah, the crowd's got noisy, and I, th- and I totally it, it escaped and I thought, oh shit, yeah, there's, there's a hat trick on offer you. Because you just, you know, <laughs> hat and glasses, down to the third man, relax, get a drink, you know. And I went, oh yeah, and I gave my hat and sunnies to the up, and went, like, oh yeah, shit, it's on. And it <laughs> came out nicely.
1: And it certainly was an advantage back then. It would have been when you were first starting Hodgie, you know, just the yeah. one ball over over 50 overs. Most times Mm. you didn't, really, you just had to shine one side, didn't you? And it got softer, the kookaburra, and and it went. It actually wasn't a bad time to to actually be bowling. No,
2: I can remember that, boys. And I think it's an art which actually creates more theatre for the game. I really believe that. In all all forms of cricket, I think that whenever the ball moves, whether it be reverse (laughs) or conventional, is great. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, even those masters when it does, when you do need eight and over and the ball is reversing, you have to find different methods instead of just block pumping it you know, into the grandstand. So you know, I'd like to see that come back actually and I'd like to see the, you know, the batters just try and adapt and find a different method. So I really enjoyed watching that part yeah. of the game. Mm,
1: and,
0: uh, Hodgip, we about... talked about... Oh, sorry. Go, ahead, Dan. Just a bias. Aren't, they? aren't the kookaburra trying to say, because you know the saliva and the COVID thing, you're not allowed to put saliva on the ball anymore. They're talking about, you know, like a bias to the ball to make it go because yep. batsmen have had the bats develop and get fatter and get boshed. They're talking about perhaps putting a bias on the ball to help it down the air. And Is that I'm the what what the the weight bias? Yeah, just something that will make the ball go once, like, like a bowls ball, like a lawn ball. Well, actually... Yeah, well, actually, well,
1: Shane, Warney was the one, you know, that 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 yes. come up with that. But the thing is, I'd like to know the aerodynamics. That if you've got it weighted on one side, but that gets scratched up, does it actually bounce it up and it goes straight? Like I, I don't think I don't think that theory will actually work. Uh, but I thought you're going to lead on to um, because of the pandemic we're in that Kookaburra come up with a potential wax if we can't use saliva and sweat. Oh, right. We, which, right. Um, as long as it's the same for both teams, I don't mind that. But uh, Pat Cummins come up with a, a good point. If if we can't use our at, at least our sweat, you know, should we really be playing? Because I'm assuming all the players will get tested before they play. Um, and yeah. uh, if they're all mm-hmm. negative, then surely you can use your sweat. Well, I don't know what you guys think.
0: Well, you're covered in it, and you can't get away from it, can you? What are you going to do? It's part of the, you. Just naturally do that anyway. But it's dripping off, you. Yeah? And on your, I just remember in Aussie, in other hot parts of the world, particularly, that it did get on your fingers, and there was no, there was no getting around it. As much as you try to keep your hands dry, I like sweat or towel. You know, I mean, you, you use that not you tell on the front there to keep your keep your bowling hand dry, but you still got it on there.
2: Maybe we can schedule all cricket in Dunedin and Hobart and see how everyone goes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you like it, B, Hodgie,
1: don't you? <laughs> it's a good call, Hodgie, because I'm thinking Colombo. Like, how much sweat do you get there? Oh, in yeah, places God. like Cochin, yep. uh, uh, Gabba. You know, there's no yep. way you're going to sweat. Hey, Hodgie, we talk, I asked whether you'd seen Martin Crow bat. do I wrote about Crowy, did you see the great daddy Morrison bat?
2: <laughs> well, no, because it never lasted that long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, don't me a cup of tea. Don't do that.
2: <laughs> I did see him bad a couple of times, and uh, you know, I mean, it was probably he probably played before the time where traditionally the the lower order had to then start working on their game. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess it was a bit of an unwritten yeah. rule. You get to, you get to about you know, eight or nine down and. Uh, you're not going to stick around. Let's get the bowling work done. So, but now you have. To, we know how important it is <laughs> yeah. for the tail enders to put work in. I think he was in that phase where oh, let's, let's not hang around. Let's get the new ball in hand and get some wickets. So, I
0: and like Danny,
1: when did you first hear the name the Duck Hunter?
0: Well, the Duck Callers, the Duck Callers as well for Testimonial oh. season. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. So the whole theme around it is so, like, if you can't take the piss out of yourself and be sort of thick-skinned enough. You're going to get smashed, aren't you? Yeah. The whole thing about it was a duck tie. World we'll record a duck <laughs> tie. <'cause> it <laughs> happened. Got the duck tie. Should have gone grab one. And then we had duck callers. You <laughs> know, duck callers. We sold at the grounds. And we had duck on the menu, like, for a luncheon or a dinner. We'd have duck. <laughs> and then we'd have these chocolate ducks as a, you know, like a, an after dinner. mint. <laughs> we chocolate ducks, mate. Beautiful. So it was a it was the whole thing. Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, Danny Duck, and all these <laughs> cricket vans. I think Gunner Moore sponsored it. And we burnt a big hole in the bottom and <laughs> signed a heap of them. And we sold a few of those. So it was, a, it was a real marketing exercise. It was actually good fun. And if you can't poke fun at yourself, it's a bit boring in life, as we know, flip So you want to have fun and take the piss out of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was well, a, 20, oh, good
1: 24 thing. test ducks. Uh, the battle I liked watching. Was D Morrison versus Was Akram. Uh, <laughs> you scored eight uh, runs against him. He got you four times. Um, <laughs>
0: Is that all? Why <laughs> Selby once bowled? Oh, that, I attempt the one I do that stands out because I was batting with Martin Crow, funny enough, in Karachi in 1990, and <laughs> was Of course, balls a bit older at that stage, round corners. What price? Came out, one whistle past my shoulder, and then I played and missed another one. And then he's come round the wicket, and is at the other end just leaning on his bat as if to say, just hang in here for three more balls, uh-huh. you know? And then all of a sudden he's to left arm round, and it has come in like this banana swinging thing. It was just outrageous. And I went to play and went through a bad pad, just missed, just missed my front pad in between the bat and the off pole and railing. Probably sit after he's gun and goes, what the hell were you doing? What, was, what were you thinking? You only had to just go forward. You know it's swinging. We've talked about this. It wasn't a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> you just you
2: wanted to spit on me. I think that sounds very similar to Flem's experience against Wasim in Pakistan as well, oh. only that Flem managed to get him through the covers for one, I reckon, Flem from memory. Once. Is that
1: right? Yeah, once. once. And then uh, he, he was oh. just a different level. Um, Hey, Daddy. Oh. A lot of batsmen, you know, restrict themselves to using their bat in defence. You, on <laughs> one famous occasion, used your helmet. Um, can yes. you dispel the myth that <laughs> batsmen like to oil their bat? You'd actually oil your helmet before you went out to bat.
0: <laughs> oil the lid, baby. You just, and it can fly off and you can get runs. Just pretend you're playing a bit of a shot. And- <laughs> and now they like the sponsorship deal so much I went to the Four months and got my own Yeah, it's <laughs>
2: nice, love it
0: Talk, talk us through Facing Carl Rackerman Yeah, the facing Mocker and, and so at the Wacker And then there's Martin Sneddon at the other end My, my club teammate, First class state mate And now New Zealand mate And he goes, listen, it's getting dark here I'm about to appeal against the light here So for God's sake, do not get out now there's all balls left. I want you to hang in here. And if, so help me. I'll shove this bat where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> I'll go, thanks for the confidence. And that's just instilling plenty. And so you're cucking yourself there and all whizzing past. And so I've, I've sort of just a couple have just gone past shoulder height, mockers at, you know, that nasty length. When they eh, tall, oh, strong, body, horrible. bouncing at the old wacker. So this is 1989. And then I thought, well, look, I've let a couple go. And then a the third one, I just sort of spliced a bit and went, oh, okay. And then I thought, well, here we go. Last ball of this over, I reckon. <laughs> I'm going to go forward. And I reckon it might just be hopefully a little bit further pitched up because he's bowled a couple of you know, shoulder height. And I'll just go forward and just <laughs> get him behind that. So I don't get my poles or LB be. I'm rooted. Well, well, I went forward and hello. I went, oh, oh, no. And uh, went, no, no, no. And and, and say, listen, um, <laughs> Stuff the bat, let's just use the lid and went bang. And it was beautifully flush on, flew out there. My nephew Ian Healy running past and goes, An Aussie, an Aussie, a keeper of all going, You okay, Dan? (laughs) And that's what he said, Yeah. And I looked at him, Oh my god, he's asking about my welfare if I'm okay. (laughs) But it was just hilarious. I mean, clunk out the cover point, brilliant. (laughs) The things we do. Things
1: but, uh, I mentioned in your intro, though, uh, probably the highlight with the bat must have been that partnership. And Nathan Astle, what an underrated player. I mean, he was a power player. Um, but, you know, you put on 106. Jeez, the Poms
0: must have been getting frustrated. The great thing about this, or the story about it, was that I'd played a bit with uh, Athers, who was captain. Mike Athers was captain. I played with him at Lancashire in 92, filling in for the great Wasim Macron. They'd won the World Cup. They were the tourists of 92 in England. So I got to go as their overseas pro. Played a bit with Athens because he'd had a bad back and was leading in with lengths. So then um, he was captaining. I'd actually slogged a few in a, um, a Prime Minister's 11 game, got 30, <laughs> and had a laugh because I was just slogging at um, Corky. And, and he said, come on, Corky, give us one. Goes, you got to hit this. You know I hit butter And I sliced him over the keeper and stuff like that. Got down toughness, in and tough as it tough is, why not? What do you reckon? Well, they were laughing at me because I'd I try to have some fun, and you know, clearly towards the end of my career, I had a hustler mag in my front pad. So I stuck <laughs> my front pad, which was getting pretty ordinary, like these there, right? These pads look great. So I stuck hustler mag in my front pad that just boosted, you know, get it So I get, I got it on the front, now would be all right. So the hustler mag there, they were oh. all in a great laugh around the back. <laughs> and, and Alex Stewart's going, I cannot be, Morrison, what are you thinking? Oh, no, I just got it off um, the coach. I stuck it in my back. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, the toughest, go give it some air. So he did, and I said, come on, why not? Well, six are out. So I slogged them for two beautiful sixes and went over, another one and another over, and got to thirteen. and I thought, oh, that's how Morrison just, boring, gives it a lick, gets out. Come the test match, I didn't. I just stonewalled it, and <laughs> the boys were just going, are you kidding me? Are you such a boring if-and-so? But they wanted to have a laugh, and so Nick Knight comes out. He goes, and you know, the, they like, "So you do those, you know, those player personality things, and you play like yeah. profile, your likes and dislikes." I yeah. said, "I do not like cold toast." And who's one of the guys that irritates you the most? Addressed. Well, Dion Nash is like a fruit fly. No, <laughs> nice. said, and so then you had you had Dion Nash with that thing, and then the cold toast. And so Knighty was. They were quite polite about it. you guys. Are a bit different, right? different sledges, <laughs> and then I was going to go, oh. Let's get, let's get Nashie out here with some cold toast for Dan. See how he liked that? <laughs> it was just trying to make me laugh and lose my <laughs> concentration or whatever and just be silly. I mean, I had a lot of luck, let's be fair. Spinning it, toughers got shittier and shittier and more flatter yeah. and flatter. Still, block, four, block, four against <laughs> the other guys, and particularly against toughers. And toughers is ripping his hair out and got slogged there and there. And I was happy just to block it. Again, head another one, Goffy, getting forward, earlier than new nut, clunk on the helmet, loved it, they're all pissing themselves and having fun. <laughs> and I uh, just played a mr bit, a couple of French cuts, squirted a couple, and suddenly the whole lot and of course I batted in sunglasses because banning the 11, <laughs> legally I could. Who gives are rats, right? So I batted in sunglasses, it looked like the blind man coming up the back. And um, and amazingly hung around because they thought, Oh look. It's okay. Dan will be yeah. Just need, come on, toughers. Just one, buddy. Just give one beautifully flighted delivery. Mm. Um, and it just, yeah, he just got so irritated and so ratty. With oh. him, uh, Astle, boshing at the other end. It's hilarious. What would so, you do for the 100th celebration? Like, what
1: would you do? Did you do something significant? Dean Jones uh, saluting all corners <laughs> of the state.
0: <story. laughs> you know, he's one for you. But, uh, oh, it was just a lot. We went on the town. It was lovely. We went on the town afterwards where I lived, catch yeah. the um, ferry across, the lovely part in Devonport there, and had a wonderful seafood dinner and hang out. And then, you know, that was it. And the coach said, nah, we're not here for you it. batting. You idiot. <laughs> it's you sort of gone.
1: <laughs> and just to yeah. finish your playing career, did, did you have a most, uh, you know, I talked about Nathan Astle and, and his um, brother-in-law, McMillan. And did you have a, a teammate that you felt was, was really underrated? <laughs>
0: Guys the um, Sadly for Dipak, he got he got out in nineteen on ninety nine in the ninety two season against England prior to that World Cup. The man could bat, and he really just didn't show enough of his wares. Yeah. Um, and he batted up and down the order from three right down to number eight. He moved around. I think for him, the, the confidence thing that got chattered for him was that he didn't quite get enough runs when he needed to up against you know the two Ws as well. Let's be real, the two Ws in their pomp, nineteen ninety to 95 when they were, you know, really going. Then Waka had his injury, missed the World Cup 92. Was was doing his thing. Um, you know, he'd come up against them a bit. Um, and I just think he was a guy that was a little underrated and should have got more out of himself for his all-round ability because he's also a very useful off-spin bowler. Good field, a good slipper at times. Geez, they dropped a lot of catches. You guys will laugh and remember. My used to drop. And, and just one more.
1: Just th- who... Who was best for team chemistry? I mean, you, you mentioned Dion Nash, who was a real mozzie, floating around, <laughs> singing songs, and all that sort of stuff. Was uh, was he
0: good for team chemistry, or was there was someone else that really stood yeah. out? Um, I mean, Chris Pringle. Everyone used to get stuck in it because he was just a big galar and just so silly, <laughs> and he did stupid stuff. And then he he'd get he get that coloured zinc, and he wanted a sponsorship, so we wear all the rainbow <laughs> zinc through here on his nose I and mean, then just all that sort of palaver. Yeah. Guys that used to irritate you. I mean, Tony Blaine was naughty. If a guy done something yeah. really a bit, a bit offhand at the bar or was a bit rude, he'd drop a loaf in the, in the guy's soap tray. He'd drop a loaf and leave it in there. So the next <laughs> morning you come back and you oh, oh, just wanting. In dressing <laughs> Oh, jeez. You know, evil. That sort of thing. <laughs> Damn, Characters, though. Yeah. Hey Morrison,
1: been excellent to to talk about your commentary and playing career. Hey boys, what about some current events? Um, you know, what do we think is going to happen with the international summer? Uh, we're, we're hearing Hoji that the India mm. India are keen. I mean, that that would just you know save the summer, wouldn't it? That if India would come and play Test, I think there'll be some conditions, maybe some extra one days. We know how much they rate back home. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And then obviously the New Zealand and Australian governments are talking and, and, and uh, players, uh, sorry, the CEOs um, from respective um, cricket associations as well. How, how do you think it's going to play out, Hodgie?
2: Yeah, two things, Wim. I think that um, yeah, I definitely think India will tour at some stage. Where they're played and in, in, in what state and what crowds is is an unknown, but... I think that, that you know, a couple of the big boards, England, Australia and uh, in India, will take it upon themselves to make sure that cricket does get back on track pretty quickly and pretty quickly financially. So that series is critical for Australia, uh, critical for India, but also spreading the love around the globe. And then I think you'll find that an IPL will slide in there somewhere as well, if not two IPLs next year to get the financial stuff back on track. Um, Big Bash, look, I'm pretty confident. I was always a massive fan of having a Southern League when it started, um, you know, South Africa, Australia and uh, New Zealand. And I'd be still pretty keen to find two New Zealand sides in the Big Bash at some stage. I reckon they'd lift the intensity, they'd also lift, lift the standard as well. So I have a Northern side and a Southern side, whether the powers that be at Cricket Australia, I think that's a good idea and whether they want to include little brother is a different matter, if not um, trying to open up for the uh, New Zealanders to be internationals so because I just can't see any international players being welcome here or being allowed to come here, sorry, um, for Big
1: Bash, which is going to start probably earlier than normal this year. Danny, what are your thoughts on the... Um well, I suppose on, on the on the big bash, and you know, I I'd be sort of hoping that the New Zealand individual players could at least um, be able to play in it, um, and and a big win would which is obviously massive for the IPL and the CPL is is to get the best domestic players playing, so we get the key Australian players playing in the big bash.
2: Definitely, we need that. That's the cornerstone of any entertainment package. You can't can't sell an entertainment package and not have the best entertainment on, on available. So, you know, I, I think that's critical. It's a real opportunity now that the, the calendar's been opened up to say, right, we want our Aussie players playing in this competition. I mean, we haven't seen David Warner play in the Big Bash League for many years. Mm. And yet he goes over to the IPL and he plays like a superstar and the, the sun rises. Hyderabad Hi, love him. We need that here. It's our product, and we need our best players involved, for sure.
0: Yeah, I look, totally, 100%. And I think that it just shows in the IPL, as you rightly point out, Hodgin. Uh, you want those key players playing in the Big Bash. I also just want to, just because of COVID-19, remember the, uh, the Indian board, the BCCI, don't allow any Indian players to play overseas. Well, now the landscape's changed. And I wonder if they could come down, given the timing, to those Indian players to play in the Big Batch, Possibly. I'm just saying. Again, it's it, it's all about um, quarantines. The Indian players came down in a whole summer. Tougher, well, I know. Tougher families. But if all those players came down to Australia, you've got them on the calendar in a Test series and ODIs, right? Playing the Big Bash there because I've talked about with Australia, New Zealand. Now we're a bit spoiled down here in our own little bubble, and I think the Pacific Rim nations about flying in and out, basically because of economies, really. Uh, but when you look at it from a sporting entertainment, possibly that that could be a scenario that if you've got, and we all know how big India is, those Indian players to come down, quarantine, train down here, be here uh, for their series and the Big Bash. You've got the Kiwis next door. Um, and, and come across and just say, hey, listen, that's what we're trying to do. It's a tri-series of old, but there's such a big base of players, clearly from India, um, to come down and possibly do that with the Kiwis and the Aussies and add that dynamic in there. Um, oh, play on both sides of the test. Yeah, definitely. I like those ideas. Uh, Hodgie, you make sure
1: Ashreina threw it out there to uh, yeah. the BCCI to allow um, Indian players to play the batch. That was closed pretty quickly for a source from the BCCI.
2: <laughs> yeah, they always remain anonymous. Those sources, but look, I can I can uh, agree with the BCCI on that a little bit. They are they are protecting their um, their franchise cricket, and that is IPL. It is the best brand on the globe. There's no doubt about that, and it holds the best players. If you open up the Indian players to the whole market, then that product will become a little bit diluted, maybe or maybe not. Um, and then every tournament becomes just the same. The one thing I dislike about T20 at the moment is that you do roll around and just see the same players or the same international players in every tournament. Yeah. So for me that that becomes a little bit mundane and boring. That's why I love the flavour of Indian Premier League because we are glued to see how not only their superstars go but also their super young talent go. And pinning the, all that talent against um, you know the international superstars actually makes it quite unique if you know open that door up for everyone, then I think it just dilutes it a little bit, which they don't want to do. So I can agree with that as a player. If I was Suresh, yeah, I'd be busting to come out here and play, there's no doubt. But uh, yeah, he's got to understand as well that as a management decision, they are protecting the golden goose and they're doing a pretty good
1: job of it. Uh, just to finish up, uh Ian Chappell, Danny Morrison, come out and he wanted to change the LB law that it didn't matter where it pitched, it hit the stumps
0: as an next bowler. Are you happy with that? <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing around the wicket. It's bizarre, isn't it? When I look at that Hodgie, of course, the Hodge you probably have a different view on it. But its it seems strange. It's just been like that forever, hasn't it? It pitches the yeah, outside I'm not the stumps. I don't
1: like the pitched outside leg because that could have some defensive bowling. But if it pitches outside off... Uh, if it hits you outside the line of well, off, I, I'm happy for that. I'm ha- I'm happy for that to be given out.
0: Well, because you've also got technology Use your back. of course the same. Yeah. Well yeah, that too. And and they're saying, aren't they? And that was saying, well, it's a couple of percent, maybe possibly with a little bit of difference, right? That ball tracking, they're saying that's only that possibly out by a couple of percent yeah. of, of what's where that ball's tracking hits you in line, where's it going on, the distance calculated, where you get hit on the crease or if you're behind the crease. More chance of getting out surely, but I do like I do hear what you're saying. I like that um, from a bowling perspective. Um, well, imagine Danny. If that rule,
1: if that rule was in,
0: you would have got AB fifteen times. Don't worry
1: <laughs> about that. All right, that's, that's all we've got time for. Morrison, fantastic. I know you. I know you're scratchy, but could you do a coin toss, an IPL type coin toss, Hodge and Fleming? You two. Oh, well, introduce brilliant.
0: us. Go. <laughs> Here we are, match 17, BBL <laughs> for season 2021. Can't believe it. We've got the big one. We have the home size, the Renegades up against the stars, a full house, the roof is about to come off here at the G. Captains, here we <laughs> are, Messers, Fleming and Hodges. Toss, who's calling? Hodge are you calling? <laughs> nice. Heads. <laughs> There's a tail, Fleming,
1: what are you going to do? Ball.
2: Good. Oh, I wasn't bowling.
1: I want to have a bat anyway. <laughs> no changes. Danny Morrison, absolute star. Thanks for joining us on the Ballology Report. Love you, Steve. Thanks, Danny. Brilliant. <laughs> Holy guacamole. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.